Hi folks, welcome to Jersey, the Independent Rangers podcast made by fans, for fans, where all your content is a bit stuttering uh, and absolutely free, coming to you in association with Forest Precision Engineering. My name's Alec Anderson, uh, I'll be your host this evening as we preview tomorrow's final Old Firm game of the season at Ibrox, uh, Guards of Honour and all. This is episode 266 of the Jersnet podcast, going out live on our YouTube channel. But if you're currently watching the, the far more significant of this weekend's Glasgow derbies in BBC Scotland, uh, last I saw it, Partick Thistle were, were in the driving seat. Uh, you can get the recording of this show at any time on YouTube. And uh, from tomorrow, it should be available on whichever platform provides your pods, be that uh, Acast, iTunes, CastBotch, Stitcher, or Spotify. If you're joining us live, uh, you can give us your opinions in the, the YouTube live comments section, then please do swear and be as abusive as possible, because Frankie's uh, moderating the comments. We like to see him getting a bit of a sweat on there. Um, also, don't forget, we've got a Swish new updated uh, jersnet.co.uk website, complete with our friendly discussion forum and a wealth of articles from our contributors. Uh, and it, that includes the highly impressive history archive, which has just been uh, two paid over from the, the old version of the site uh, to, to the new one. Hit the thumbs up icon, folks, would you please? Uh, and just let your pals know that we're here. Before I bring in the very special and, and very patient guest uh, for this evening, I'd like to mention our very special and very kind sponsors. Forest Precision Engineering, established in 1983, is a leading precision engineering and special purpose machinery manufacturer. Based in Glasgow, their services in precision engineering are available to companies all over Scotland and throughout the UK. The leading manufacturers of special purpose machinery are arranged in applications on their website is at uh, forestprecisionengineering.com. Big friends of Rangers and they have a stunning new hospital here in the Irish how to book the Forest Precision Executive Lounge for unique and intimate space. Email the club via hospitality at rangers.com. Now, um, time to introduce some special guests. Stuart, yeah. Winston, all those um, ACAS, Stitcher, I, put, I don't know what half of them are. I think, I think this is Frankie. I think this is the old guy equivalent of, you know, we send the apprentice. Uh, for a tin of elbow grease and then there's some tartan paint. I think he's just making up these names for me to read out and just tell him you can get it on Yip Yap and Crocodile, Alec. Tell him to tell him to look at it on Smarty Pants. You know, does that sound right to you? It does. Yeah. I, I mean I think the next thing you'll be you'll be asking you to nip down to B and Q for some bubbles for your spirit level. <laughs> you know <laughs> a long stand. That's, <laughs> That's it. Hey, tart tartan paint. It's all there. All the other ones are the best. That's it. For me, it's, it's like, do you not do um, like kind of collating stuff in a, the photocopier with the, the staple in it? That's the kind of a bit of letterset. That's how we used to distribute uh, kind of <laughs> the, the part. Listen, <laughs> Stuart, uh, last time uh, you and myself were on the pod together, we discussed, um, I think, our favourite schools of, of opera. I think it was Sturm and Drang and, and Bel Canto. And uh, we get into the strategies and weaponry of 1960s Middle Eastern conflicts. So my first question uh, to you tonight would be, what do you think? What do you think is the most kind of highbrow and deeply intellectual topic for us to dissect? I've got, I've got Fermat's Last Theorem. We could we could get the calculators out for that. Uh, Wittgenstein's uh, Tractatus Logical Philosophicus. He thought that solved all all philosophy. We could prove that or disprove it. Or are we going to try and explain how Rangers are finally going to beat Celtic this season? Uh, I think the first two are actually easier options than the third one you just gave me there. So uh, I'll I'll stick. I'll stick to the easier ones. Aye, um, no, I, I, I mean, listen. There, since the cup semi-final, there has been an end of season feel to a great many things, um, and that even goes down. I would have to say to um, you know people trying to predict the like start eleven for this final old firm game of the season. And you can see halfway through, people have lost interest because they're almost like they, they can't quite make up who's actually still in favour, who's injured, who has just been parked or benched because they'll never be utilised again. And um, whether the team that um, turned out you know, last week was actually a forerunner or of the starting eleven for the rest of the season or the remainder of the season. So I, I I think, you know, let's be honest here. This is this is last chance saloon for maybe um, a, a number of Rangers players, either to have a future at Ibrooks 
or to get any kind of result against um, Celtic. Um, I've, uh, you know, without falling out with any of my uh, Celtic friends, I, I mean, I, you know, I think even they realise or accept that this is a, a good Celtic team who do a number of things well, namely play for 50 minutes in the first half and play for 90 minutes overall plus any stoppage time. And I think that's that's got them several results this season that were kind of unexpected, whereas their counterparts, you know, at Ibrooks just, just have not done that. So even getting into this last game of the season, for me, you'd be looking for an improvement on the absolute basics. There'd be no hint or suggestion of that this far into the season or in any of the previous old firm games. Okay, people will say um, Rangers, you know, Rangers had a better in the first half in the, the semi-final. Football is not governed by artistic impression or degrees of difficulty. There's a thing at either end called uh, a goal or a rigging, whatever you want to describe it. And it's about putting the ball in that. And if you put the ball in there more often than the opposition, you win games. And until such times as Rangers do that, whether it's tomorrow or you know we're starting into next season again, um, then they will always come second best. And and I think, you know, I, I think they have been second best on a great many fronts this season. To what I would describe as a good Celtic team, not a great Celtic side by any. I, I mean, I fell out with any, you know. I created friendships I never actually knew I had. Um, you know, I mean, I wrote in the Herald about six years ago that the the Brendan, all-conquering Brendan Rogers side wasn't even in the top five Celtic teams that I had seen. They were lucky if they were maybe seventh or eighth. Now, I don't want to say where Ange Postacoglu's team is um, because I might get the same um, Christmas cards. But the, the, the fact of the matter is that they have, they have accomplished a great, you know, a great haul this season in terms of victories and in terms of trophies by doing simple things. And it would be nice to see a Rangers team counter that by similarly doing simple things, not making mistakes and being wise to the event and what's going on round about them. Absolutely. I I feel as if I've been watching uh, since Beals arrived. That's four old firm games I've watched. And like you're saying, it, it looks like you can, you're just thinking, if you just cut that out, just cut it, it's, it, mistakes are so wildly stupid that you're thinking that's not going to happen again. And it doesn't happen again exactly the same way, but there's an equally wildly stupid mistake in every every game we play them, and that leads you to believe. You're certainly thinking, yeah, we're not that far away. We're, we're getting closer, I feel like, even in these games. But I then start feeling, I can start hearing myself being like Mark Lawrence when he used to talk about the Germans. You know, the kind of more English, the more Preston, <laughs> uh, drilling inside of Mark Lawrence and then he's, he's a Republic of Ireland uh, Caps would suggest when he was oh the lucky lucky Germans and you think when a team consistently wins on penalties and gets to major you know international finals it's no luck for disproving that and I have to look at that with Rangers and just say to myself well that's it's basically it's four games you haven't won that's not an accident you know it's, it's, the, it's, it, the, it's the Gary player line isn't it the more I practice the luckier I get aye and, and it's it's taking taking all possible errors out of your game and keeping it absolutely simple. And, you know, you see that so often. I mean, not going off at a tangent, but even saw that, you know, Leeds United against Manchester City last week. Leeds United cut out all the crap and City couldn't break them down. Okay, they won 2-1. But, but Leeds could have quite easily come in back into that game late on and and, and snatch something. Um Undeservedly, I would have to say, but that, that's the nature of football. It doesn't, you, you know, only takes you 30 seconds to score a goal and then kick off again and go to the other and score another goal. So it's, um, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty simple uh, premise. Um, but, the, you know, I, I think um, I'm, I'm not quite sure where Michael Beale is at in terms of getting his message over because I would have thought by now he would have ironed out some of the faults and failings that you've seen in this Ranger side. Uh, I think, I mean, on the uh, Jersey night, we're going to do a proper uh, end of season review, obviously, at the end of the month. And, we'll, and later tonight, we'll, we'll discuss what tomorrow's result, uh, what kind of effect that's going to have and how this, this season is going to be regarded. But last Sunday, 
Stuart, unfortunately, we did actually, you know, officially it was over. Uh, the Celtic won the league last Sunday while we were all sitting at Ibrox watching us struggling against Aberdeen. Uh, that means Rangers will officially <laughs> finish the season trophyless. Uh, what were, apart from the disappointment, what were your kind of initial feelings and, and emotions last Sunday once it was kind of officially wrapped up? Um, inevitability. Aye. Um, and, and, and something, to be absolutely honest, Alex, at uh, uh, you could see coming months ago, month, month, months and months ago. I mean, I would even say it was something you could say was you were on course for going back as far as like last October, November time. There just seemed to be a that there, to win things, you need an edge, you need some kind of angle that will give you an advantage and and I just don't think that Rangers have had enough of that you know if you look at you know if you look at other sides or other let's let's focus on focus on other Rangers teams there isn't you know and I'll say again here um and I maybe get it across the boat with the screen I am not comparing light for light here but if you look at past Rangers teams, you could literally say Rangers are relying on A, B, C or X, Y and Z. And you knew these guys would perform. The problem with the current Rangers side is there, there is no one that you're utterly reliant on because you just don't know who's going to perform. Other than Tavernier's consistency, perhaps, you cannot say, well, Tillman is going to be the match winner in this game because he he may not do anything for an hour. Mm. You cannot say, and you've not been able to say for some considerable you know time that you're relying on Morellas because you just don't know what kind of player is going to turn up or whether he's going to be even selected or asked if he does turn up. Kent, the exact same. So I, I think, you know, I think Rangers have done well to last as long as I have in this particular title race. But it's 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 not because they've had, you know, any sort of collective of guys punching above their weight or even punching their weight. It's it's been in dribs and drabs. It's been sporadic at best. And I think you need some sort of level of a, a greater level of consistency amongst a greater number of players. No, I had a, I had a particularly a couple of horrible feelings uh, a couple of horrible admissions to myself. I was you know, like, like a lot of us. I was just kind of almost never want to say you're glad that Celtic had won a match, but it was like that it wasn't coming to Ibrox. And the thing with that was, if Celtic had you know, lost to Hearts, for example, it would have meant they hadn't won like two two league games in the trot, and they drew it home in Motherwell. And be, they're kind of slightly struggling against us in the cup semi final comparatively. And in, in between times, you're thinking they come to Ibrox, you know, it's going to. You'd think we'd have about as to, to raise one game to do that, to, to, to stop and win the league at Ibrox. We have a different scenario altogether uh, from when they came uh, in 2012 to try and do the same. I just, I, I felt there was a meekness about us that wouldn't have allowed, that, that we could have seen, you could have seen Celtic actually win the title uh, at Ibrox. That was a, it was a, it was a terrible thing to think, you know. But um, do you think, I mean, I'm, you're going back to think that the achievement of the season obviously is qualifying for the Champions League. You know, but I think we forget how at the end of last season, but we didn't win the Europa League final. The, the disappointment at that was kind of framed immediately as this means we haven't qualified for the Champions League again um, directly into the group stages. And I think when we got into the group stages, we took such a you know record-busting pounding that a lot of people want to forget it was an achievement to get in the group stages. But mm-hmm. is, it, is this is this season just like basically a total disaster, or is it a kind of natural part of a an ongoing recovery from two thousand and twelve? Rangers can be better. They can be much better. I mean, I think everybody's agreed in that. But the circumstances by which you enter the Champions League is, I'm not saying you go and hire an open-top bus for qualifying for the Champions League, but when you compare or try and compare like with like, you look at the disadvantages that Scottish clubs have primarily in terms of the finances available to them. Um, especially when you don't know where some of the finances have gone. But, you know, I, I, I think that part of it is that you have to be, you know, you have to be realistic. Some of us who, you know, were very focused on on, on Rangers and 
what they did in European competition in the lights 30 years ago. The, the, the Not only the goalposts moved um, and the rules changed, we've gone from, you know, colour television to, to black and white drones compared to you know, now. I mean, that's the, I, I mean, that's the start reality of it. You, you, you cannot get too carried away. I mean, qualifying and being there is an achievement, whereas... You know, go back thirty. In fact, go back thirty years. Just now, you are looking at Rangers missing out by a goal or a point from actually reaching the Champions League final itself. So that that's that that was that was then. Now is a very different story, and I think you know there has to be a. It's difficult to congratulate yourself or anybody else when you actually see what a dire performance you then put up. You know, it's 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 like you know, like a, a heavyweight boxer. Why train for twelve years and take you know a million punches in training when you go against a champion and basically the first time he he, he wafts at you, you fall over and are, you're counted out. And that is a, a level of where Rangers were this season in terms of the Champions League. Aye, it was. I, I think I ended up. And I'm thinking to myself, well, it's you look at likes of Manchester City uh, and PSG, who have basically. You know, kind of, I was talking about this in the post-match reaction last week, trying to assess where the season had gone wrong. And I think the, the, the compressed nature of the Champions League group stage this season because of the World Cup meant that it was a, a two-pronged attack on Rangers. Obviously, we, we've, as you say, these these teams, like Man City and PSG, they can't win the thing. They've been trying for years to actually win it with more money getting thrown at them than any other teams have had thrown at them in history. And they're, I think they've reached one final each, you know, and, and the two of them have lost them. So, you know, comparatively, take it down the line, Rangers, you know, in the in the fourth tier, just, uh, you know, a few years back, and suddenly to try and get into that competition, to, to get thrown into the deep end there. And it's a compressed competition, which is ruthless, you know, and really destructive on your kind of limited squad. It's just going to, it's going to knock you sideways. And I think that, but I feel as if, we did the same when we got to our first major cup final after 2012. It was a bit of disaster against Hibs when we when we got into Europe for the first time at all after 2012. You know, against Progress Nidacon put us out as a bit of a disaster. But we then quickly end up at the stage where we're reaching a European final. You know, so I'm just hoping it's one of those ones we need to get it under the belt. You know, it's it's almost bound to be to be brutal, as you say, kind of heavyweight boxing style, you know. Um but it's it's worth doing, and maybe we'll look back on it uh, in a few years' time and say it was it was a great achievement. But I don't think there's any feeling that this season's been any kind of achievement, I'm afraid. Um, and talking of kind of tiresome, depressing stuff, the Guard of Honour uh, that's been rearing its uh, small-minded head again this week. Celtic are the champions. Uh, there's a, a tradition in football where champions will come out onto the pitch, uh, and uh, if they're the, the team that they're playing against will, will form a guard of honour. You're a, a big rugby man, Stuart. It's a big thing in rugby union, uh, kind of going off the pitch in particular. Um, there's a lot of talk about this tomorrow. Todd Cantwell was asked about today's presser um, if we're going to provide a, a guard of honour for Celtic tomorrow. And both uh, Bill and Cantwell both kind of said no, basically on the basis that Celtic hadn't provided one for us uh, when we won 55 in, in 2021. Post the Coglu, he kind of talked it down as well, and he was just—I was just thinking it is a lot of nonsense. He was doing. He said both teams have got enough respect for each other without that. And then he just threw in uh, the word grudging, and I think he just meant both teams have got grudging respect for each other because that's how football works. But straight away, I was—I was up my haunches. Does he mean we grudge them respect? And straight away, you have that—they have that kind of old firm bit that's in you. Is it one of those things where? Is it just a kind of tiresome distraction? Is it a media-created sideshow? Are the Rangers actually, when you think about it, did we lose a bit of honour by not giving them that respect? I think it's, you know, somebody said it's. it was, um, I heard it today, it was tit for tat. It's, for me, it's actually tit for tit. You know I, what I mean? It's, it, you know, if it was something that was, if you like traditional, but I think that there, there, there are so many times that you've kind of fallen between two stools or fallen through the cracks in these things that something should have happened that hasn't happened. I'm all for it. If it's a testimonial game, fine. Rugby is a, you know, rugby is entirely different. You applaud the opposition off the pitch at the end of the game. Every game, regardless of what's happened to you, you don't get that in football. You might have hearty handshakes and, and the likes, but that, that's about it. So, I I have never 
I mean, I'm, I'm maybe a bit of an oddity here. I've never get too upset or aggravated or whatever you want to describe it in terms of somebody not giving a, a team a guard of a guard of honour. It's like for me, it's like national anthems. Why the hell do you play them for other people to jeer your national anthem? Why the hell do you play them? I don't know anybody. I, I can honestly say I don't know. I know athletes um, who have become very emotional after they've won something when they've heard the national anthem played, and and some have been surprised by that. You know, it suddenly is a wave that comes over them. But actually, it'd be inspired by singing something ahead of a game. No, you know, players would quite happily run out the tunnel and just kick off and get on with it, rather than all this sort of you know pleasantries at the start of a game. And I and I I, I just think this is a it's a sideshow that it's quite easy to make something of when you are possibly a media outlet struggling to attract either viewers or a readership. You can make something out of this and it's like, you know, woe is me, whereas so many people don't really care about it. I think niceties are a thing you kind of really insist on. You know, it's, it's something that happens or it doesn't. And I, the only thing I would say, look, playing devil's advocate, and I, and I know myself, uh, the kind of Celtic attitude towards Rangers post kind of Peter Law's arrival back you know, 20 odd years ago, I think it's been kind of disgusting at times, um, refusing to use their name and, you know, refusing to use the phrase old firm and whatever in the, in the, in the kind of official called publications, but censuring employees who do. You know, I was quite funny about Michael Beale today. I heard him saying that the league, you know, congratulations to Celtic. The league uh, table doesn't lie. You know, they're definitely the best team. And I thought, well, it, it, we're told it lies when we're top of it. You know, apparently it's because there's no crowds and blah, blah, blah. Um, their attitude to us has been pretty horrendous coming from law, from a, an executive level, from an official level. Would it actually be healthier? Maybe the, the toxicity of the park seems to be building up. A lot of nasty stuff online, what have you. A lot of nasty stuff between the supporters. Would it be from a kind of a socially responsible point of view better for Rangers to be the bigger team, you know, just to go out there and just, you know, show them a bit of respect tomorrow? Or are Rangers actually going to encourage trouble at Ibrox if we were to show them a guard of honour? I've always been a, a kind of advocate of taking the moral high ground in these kind of things. And it would, if, it, if Rangers were to do it, that would be it. That would be the argument silenced forever. Yeah. If if you didn't then get it back in response at some point in time, you'd be able to point the fickle finger of fate and say, aha, look at you, you've been found out. You know, the the, the thing the thing is, Alex, uh, and I say this with many years of experience, the bam pottery that surrounds supporting football clubs, I mean, I am, you know... I, <laughs> On the 10th of July, 1989, Ranger signed Morris Johnson. And living as I did in Lark Hall at the time, I witnessed, I witnessed sights, you know, somebody with a, uh, a statue of King Billy and putting it at the cross in the middle of the road and not allowing any traffic to go through. I mean, it's like, wait a minute. You, and all of a sudden you're going to hand in, you know, Rangers have just won the league title. Um, they qualify for the Champions League and you're going to hand in your season ticket because they have signed somebody that you disagree with. So let's let's not just think this is canted from one side. You know, it's it's something that's um, widely spread in terms of this fixture and in terms of this rivalry and all the rest of it. So yeah, go ahead and and you know and meet it head on. The difficulty is, I would say, Alex, is that if Rangers were um, in the semi-finals of a European competition or they were in the final of the Scottish Cup or they'd won the League Cup or they had a very successful European run or whatever it was or they'd pushed Celtic right up until last week and they'd only missed out in the title by uh, a point then you could carry that off but Rangers are trying to take the moral high ground from a position of weakness they don't have many tanks they don't have much firepower anywhere. So I think at that point at that point in time you you can have you know there's a time and a place for it. 
I don't think this is the time and the place to be convincing fans that this is a very good thing that we have done because, as I say, we, we, we've we gone above, above and beyond on this kind of thing when too many fans are interested in what's happening on the pitch and you know, will knock you flat on your back if you try to put that argument up because you just had to perform this season. Uh, well, I saw Manchester City giving uh, Erling Haaland a, a guard of honour off the pitch after they broke that Premier League scoring record. So maybe if we did that, we still think we'd stop them scoring. But, you know, that's maybe, getting, <laughs> maybe getting, a bit, getting a bit desperate. You know, get, get them pumped and give them a, guard, a sarcastic guard of honour going off, you know? Yeah, maybe I put a, a few Rangers defenders out of the building and see if that, <laughs> see if that works. <laughs> We're getting desperate. And... Um, Tom, which the, the season's over in terms of trophies, as we're saying, uh, but the, the wheel of the, the transfer rumour mill was threatening to spin off its axis. Uh, Stuart Beale today confirmed that it was a whole batch of players will be leaving. Uh, the announcement about that and the confirmation of the exact number of players leaving would come sometime after tomorrow's game. Uh, the consensus is that there needs to be a clear out. You know, fans seem to think that the, the place is kind of full of deadwood. Um, did we really only have like four or five players who are kind of guaranteed to be here next season? And uh, who would who would you say that they are? That many. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm trying to be upbeat here. <laughs> sorry, um, <laughs> you know, the the trafficking and uh, trafficking in human organs it was banned many years ago, <laughs> and there's there are some, you know, you'd be, you'd be basically said you no. Know, what am I about here for these two kidneys? What am I about here for that? <laughs> these retinas? You know, is is uh, I mean, de- dead Deadwood is you know, it's, it's the way of summing up um, um, a at Ibrox. It's a way of of basically categorising or cataloguing the mediocrity that surrounds the club just now. You know, in, in so many ways, but particularly on the playing front. And I think when you see certain, you know, certain names being obviously being leaked that they're interested, you know, for instance, um, uh, Sterling at at at, uh, at Chelsea, um, you know, um, I th- I think when you see that it's not no Raheem Sterling anyway, you know, <laughs> you need you need to sell off another couple of stands to be worried by him for a week for a week. But anyway, but you know, I I think when you see names like that, you you're suddenly kind of uh, um, uh, wary that um, is this going to apply beyond even some of the names you would think are are you know, and with the bricks, so to speak, you know, that would make me a direct uh, opponent for selection, um, you know, rather than Tavernier. Does it mean that Tavernier, somebody's going to come in with an offer for him and they're going to take what they can get from him? Um, but because, I, 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 again, on a personal level, I would say he has he has done really really well. I still don't think he can defend, but as a as a kind of you know an attacking option, as a creator, as a goal scorer, he has done fantastically well as a Rangers player. As a captain, I would have a you know forget a statue outside Ibrox. I would have a very very large question mark because again, but then again. You can't point the finger at him when there's other people in the team not supporting him or not not coming up to scratch. So I think there's maybe half a dozen in that kind of first team squad who you could say will still be there, and and everybody else there's a either a price tag around their big toe or. There's a, a you know a for sale sticker on their on their back, and it makes it makes surprise some some people actually who might be you know on the way out just to make space for some some other people to come in. There is no infinite um, you know amount of money in terms of um, what they might spend in contracts and all the rest of it. So you you literally have to see people off the premises to earn yourself enough you know capital to actually go and invest it elsewhere. And I and I, and I think. Like so many other clubs over the years, Rangers are at a position, a point in time where that's going to be difficult. I mean, you're you're of a, a certain vintage as I am. There's a bit of this 
Ranger side currently, and you know, feel free to disagree um, or or not. But there is a a bit of a um, a, a feeling for me that this is like the Rangers team that John Gregg had. They elect too many players who are real stalwarts to the side. Just carry on a, a year or two years too long. So you end, what you actually ended up with was guys who were still, they were still capable, but you couldn't get rid of them because you had nobody else coming through. And also these guys, you, you couldn't earn anything off them if you sold them. You just basically had to say, yeah, they're pensioned off, you're retired, or we're giving you a free transfer. You know what I mean? It was the, it was the, the time of, you know, Sandy Jarden and Alex McDonald and Colin Jackson, Tam Forsyth, all these guys almost hit their sell-by date at the same time. And and that that in itself gave Rangers so many problems around that time because you then had to go out and sign players. And, you know, some of the players that Rangers signed to actually replace these guys might have been the best, best in class in Scottish football, but they were found badly lacking for a good few seasons until Sooners came in. Aye, aye. And I, for me, I think you're talking about John Gregg there as well, just before he became manager. That, that's the one thing, I'm not for a second comparing Tav to John Gregg in terms of playing ability or whatever, the, 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 the legend. But for me, there is a bit of that where, I mean, John Gregg's only managed to captain Rangers in two European finals. So you've only got, Tav, Tav is one of the, I really select, once you actually I've, I've captained the club in the European final, he basically got us there almost single handedly with his goal scoring feats, uh, particularly after after the uh, the group stage of the Europa League. It was it's a, it's a, I think it's an amazing thing. You look at his goal scoring uh, oh, in, yeah. uh, in that run to to, to, and you've got to give give credit where credit's due, and I and I aye. do, but there is only oh, no, mate, aye, I know, I know. that wee bit that's lacking between being uh, a, a legend and just being a great or a very good. <laughs> I know the only the thing for me again, again, other things I would never, I would never compare to each other. Uh, one's very much an on-field thing, and one's an off-field. But, but Greg had that thing of leading the club through. That's that's what his statue encompasses the the Ibrox disaster, and this is where people lost their life and what have you. It was a really, really dark period for the club, and for a very different reason. Obviously, Tav came in well after two thousand and twelve, but he was the first guy to win his to be captain were winning trophies again after 2012 John Gregg went through this period obviously I, I, he played the 66 Cup final I think against Celtic with Kai Johansson the replay and then I don't think he even played when we won the League Cup 70-71 no. Derek Johnson I think he was, was it Ronnie uh, McKinnon was Ronnie captain. McKinnon captain that day aye. so it went a long period when he wasn't winning a league title I think he'd winning more trophies than, than Tav did but and then it was just He's, he's becoming the same age as Tav, kind of 76, 78, the trebles, and, and, throw, and suddenly bulking up his, his number well, for, of trophies. For Greg, it was a Scottish Cup. The Scottish Cup in 73 was yeah. a big turning point for him in terms of captaincy. Then in 75, you had the, league, the, the last of the old league titles. Then you had the new Premier League and a treble in 76. And then again in 78, and it was the natural successor when Jock Wallace left, that if you were going to get something out of this guy, then or, 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 or going to move him on, you weren't moving him on to move him out the door, you were moving him on to actually progress into management. And, yeah. I, and, I, and I think that bit as I think that bit as well, you know, he does not have the accolade and the 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 um the title as the greatest ranger ever for nothing. Oh, know, um and again. Let's, let, let's, let's be honest, Tavernier's fantastic goal-scoring record. John Gregg scored 120 goals, I think it was, for Rangers. Aye. You know, he's, he, he, for some of his Tavernier's exploits are, are fantastic. They are nothing compared to what we have previously seen. Um, so I, I, I think, I, I do wonder whether there's a mindset that, that Tavernier, good as he's been for Rangers, has actually been there too long. Well, that's a, I think he's, he's at that stage in his career. He's at that kind of age where it's like Greg started, and if everything goes according to plan during the summer, and suddenly we do knock Celtic off the pedestal, and if Tav was there, I was kind of expecting him. Even John Greg moving positions, you know, same thing. He gets to me. Tav is part of. He's a captain, and he's part of the a record breaking a, a, a British record defensively set 
during the 55 season in which he was top scorer not in the league mm-hmm. that was coming up but for the whole season a season which we did well in Europe as well uh, the season we won 55 I, I think it's quite remarkable and it wouldn't surprise me if he ends up same stats almost you know as Greg over the next couple of years if he maybe gets a move into midfield and that's the big thing with this chap uh, Dujon Sterling he seems to kind of 23-year-old from Chelsea, come through the Chelsea Academy, still at Chelsea, he's been loaned out to Coventry, Wigan, he, I think spent last season at Blackpool, this season at Stoke on loan, great reviews. I was interested, sorry, on, on that, Alex, I was interested that people said, oh, he's gone, he's gone here, he's gone, he's not going to get a game any other way at Chelsea. Aye. You've got guys, when you've got guys in your first team squad who are getting changed on the floor because there's not enough space for, for you to... You're 25 or whatever it is to train, then anybody, I mean, you look at the squad numbers at Chelsea, people don't run about with 78 on their back because, oh, that's my lucky number or that's 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 my postcode. They're, they've got 78 on their back because they're part of a setup, which means they've got so many players. So Even two seasons ago, even two seasons ago with Chelsea Stewart, I was like, before the, the American fella came in and was still Bramovich, I was looking at them and they were, the, they were the number one case when you would turn over to watch some English football and you would think, oh, he's there. Oh, they've got him as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that guy's playing for them, I know. And you suddenly, why are they not scoring any goals? Because they're all strikers. You know, so now with this guy Bewley coming in, he's spending like, hundreds of millions in players. Absolutely ridiculous. It's, it's, I, there's no way anybody other than the, the best of the best is. Do you think getting... he wants a second team? Do you think, think he Do you think he, no, I mean, a second club? No. <laughs> I, I think he's misunderstood the, com- the concept of a B team. He's just Todd, one. Todd, we're over here. <laughs> <laughs> That's we'll, we'll quite happily take that money to just even even half of that would do would do is absolutely fine. And you're absolutely right what you're saying. It's no disgrace not to be getting a, a game for the, the Chelsea first team. And he's getting rave reviews, this chap Sterling, uh, from the, the kind of Stoke fans, the Blackpool fans. Uh, the only thing we know about him though is he is a right back. Yeah. And we're talking about Tav on here, and I've talked about maybe a move a position for Tav would let him, you know, get into that John Gregg kind of realm of uh, service, if not if, if not kind of legendary status. Do you think that's that, that, that that's what's happening here? Or is Tav, as you're saying, going to get... Because I'm thinking Goldson, Tav, uh, Cantwell and Raskin. And Raskin, it's mostly it's because he's just arrived. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily in his performances. And Goldson, I saw getting his backside handed to him a few times by Duke uh, last week. Couldn't even fill the fella right. So, like you say, it might not be as, even as many as four people that are certain to be staying. So, is this uh, the arrival of this chap? Does it mean something bad for Tav? Yeah, just just get back to Todd Bewley. I, I mean, because that's like convincing we've named a a town in in the north of Scotland after him. <laughs> just you know, I mean, you know, I I, th- I think there's a bit where, um, in terms of the manager, unlike previous managers, I would say even up to even up to this, uh, you know, with with like as soon as Walter Smith, even I would say, even an advocate. Advocate was the kind of guy you could sit down with, and he would explain things to you. Alex McLeish was another who would, you know, if you asked him a question, and it was a, you know, it was a, there was an element of fact behind the question that he asked. He would give you a straight answer. He might say, you know, don't write that, don't print that, whatever it is. I think there is a, a an element of. Um, somebody's offered me drink here. Yes, please. Yes, it was. Um, always take it. Always, always take it. Sure. I, it was. Um, but I think there's a. a I think in terms of uh, Michael Beale or Mick Beale, as they call him around QPR ways. It was. Um, I. I don't think there's anybody really is able to second guess him. I think right. well. I think he's very much his own man as far as as far as that goes, because nobody's close enough to to basically say to him, "What about this or what about that?" So, so you, you know, there's a great many people trying to second guess him, and it may they may get it totally wrong. That's what I mean. I, again, people are saying, "Well, there might be five or six, or maybe seven or eight, depending on costs and all the rest of it." It might be that he's actually. Not a completely blank bit of paper with, um, you know, 
a reserve goalkeeper here and a reserve defender here and you know and and Raskin and Cantwell and and and, and the lights dotted around the place. I, I I think it's you know, but how you finance that, how you resource that, how you how you approach guys unless they're a whole load of loan signings or a whole load of guys who are out of contract and you know about them and you've identified them, you've already tried to entice them into, into that Rangers team. Is the next couple of months are going to be really interesting to see who Rangers can get without spending massively. And I mean financially uh, in terms of the transfer fees. I think it's a great point regarding Bill. I think it, because results are going against us against Celtic just now, so it's probably steering towards a criticism of them more than anything these days. I think it's becoming, he talks too much in press conferences. And I still, I'm still to be convinced, it's still a bit of an enigma, which, you know, you would normally associate with somebody being more, more taciturn, but he talks a lot in press conference, but I'm still not sure if this time next season we'll be seeing some kind of mad professor genius. He throws a lot out there. And I think he's particularly criticised because he seems to be sending out a different message all the time about the future, the long-term future of the squad. He's been doing that since he arrived. But I can't help thinking it changes in respect of, the short-term future of the team he's got, he changes that message as a way of preparing for the next game. And I think we saw that last week with with, with Morelis. Um, I think there's a bit of the. I, I I think there's a bit of the the the, the kind of war buttons about him. Aye. Um. That. Oh, what was the word I would say? The sort of orthodoxy of his thinking is not the same as what other managers have been. You know, you could Aye. you could read other managers and and see what their kind of philosophy was mm-hmm. and how they were going to achieve that. You know, even even you know, go back you know thirty odd years ago and and think about like say Soonis. Soonis brought you he would need a big striker, so he brings in like Colin West. Colin West doesn't he up to it um, through injury or other. So then he goes for Hately. But when, when things were desperate and he didn't have either West or Hately, he just shoved big golf up front. So it was it was very basic, but you could see he had a philosophy on how to try and win games. Whereas I, 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 I've not witnessed that. You know, you knew it, like Walter was really, really pragmatic. Everybody was going about, oh, McCoy's scoring all the goals and Hately's scoring all the goals and, and Gascoigne and his influence and uh, Loudrup, how good he was. You know, I remember Walter, you know, putting out a team at Celtic Park that had five centre backs, and and mate, you know, you're you're a centre half, but you're playing right back, or you're playing left back. Big Big Elvis played left back, I'm sure, at one time, and he also had another one in the in the, in the midfield. So, I'm, I I don't I don't think he's I don't think Michael Beals is easy to read as even they were, and and they had some weird wonderful ideas as well. But I I I. I I think you're right. I think in the next the next six months, this um, you know wacky professorship is really going to have to deliver some Aye. some answers. Not just deliver trophies, but deliver some answers. Well, in in in, in that vein, um, I mean, you're saying your health. You 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 and I, cheers, sir. You and I uh, are of a, a similar a similar vintage. Uh, you remember as well as me that 37 years ago, I'm going to torture a coincidence here with the Glasgow Cup. With Rangers scoring three goals in the Glasgow Cup final at Ibrox uh, midweek. Now, Celtic uh, win the title, um, Hearts, thanks to Hearts losing by uh, two goals to nil. And uh, six days later, they come to Ibrox with their English goalkeeper and uh, they lose 3-2 to Rangers um, in the Glasgow Cup final, 40-odd thousand there. But that that was a great night. It was a great start for Graham Soonis because that was his first Old Firm game. We're in a wild situation just now, Stuart, what we were talking about earlier. We've got a manager here, and we've had, like, Eck McLeish lost um, all five games. He whitewashed by Celtic to 2004, but credit in the bank for yeah. what he'd achieved in the seasons before that, involving a lot of really good victories uh, over Celtic. I don't know, but yeah, I can't remember. I've not looked into it. I've not looked this up. So feel free to let us know if I'm if I'm talking rubbish here, uh, folks. But a manager who's failed to win a Rangers manager failed to win his first four Old Firm games, and it's almost as if even if he failed to win tomorrow, he's still going into next season with the kind of the general consensus saying he's the man for the job. 
Is that right? I, I've got a funny feeling that tomorrow's game is actually the most meaningful, the most kind of important in Michael Beale's career. He needs this tomorrow like nothing else, doesn't he? He does. It, it, he does. Every Rangers manager needs a win over Celtic or Aye. needs to be beating Celtic uh, and at least point to it. You know, if Rangers win this game tomorrow, you're not suddenly going to get a Christmas DVD out of it. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it, 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 it's not of that proportion. Um, if it was a cup final, perhaps he would. But I think, I think he needs a a, a win to convince a lot of supporters. I, I tell you, I, I tell you a question that I've heard um, several times over. If Van Bronckhorst can get it to a European final and win the Scottish Cup, and then get sacked six months later for it just not happening. Where is Michael Beals, as you say, you know, cash in the bank? He doesn't have any. He, he doesn't have any, even in terms of the football that Rangers have played. So he needs a, you know, he needs a, a result and needs a big, a big result. Other Rangers managers in the past have pulled out surprise, short results, and and have lasted, you know, and it's given them. Not just breathing space; it's also giving them a bit of time to actually create their their own identity as a Rangers manager and build their own team. You know, if you think, uh, I, I'm always I'm always reminded of certain Rangers managers, like you know Walter Smith and the fans singing, you know Walter Smith's blue and white army and all the rest of it. And you, you can never remember anybody singing about Alex McLeish. At least no. I can't. But the guy was hugely successful in terms of what he did for Rangers. So, nice. I, I know I, again, I think slowly but surely there, there are a great many Rangers fans out there, diehard Rangers supporters, you know, Rangers to the core. But their their bar has come down and down and down ever since 2012. Dare I say it? It's, it's been lowered and lowered and lowered to such an extent now where you're you're praising, you know, praise be to guys who wouldn't even be carrying Rangers hampers um, years ago. And I think, you know, you need, Rangers need some big, big results against the team that is the best in Scotland, whether you like it or not. And I think I think Tavernier, look at the way we were discussing them earlier, he kind of epitomises, I think, that struggle between thinking it's a poverty of ambition almost like we're being ground down but if I were too used to accepting you know having been in the lower leagues and all that it's made us think we can we, we, we you know any just getting a draw against Celtic for example would be enough and just I'm just looking at some of the comments here a comment I don't know who JD is but it's it's, it's quite pertinent basically saying I but has Bill had the players to make the same difference that's what I'm just trying to say that's the other side of it yeah. and if, as I'm saying if, if people you're just likely to get jumped Celtic fans as Rangers fans as Celtic fans jumping down your throat for talking about 2012 it's now becoming we can't use that as an excuse but I see it as a reason you know and I think that's the thing the, the, the way Bill was regarded there is not utter uproar about the fact he's failed to win four old firm games and it speaks of a kind of acceptance not of defeat and not of a lack of ambition but realism that we're going to have to come back that, that, that we're still kind of rebuilding from uh, 2012 and I know people say we'll be in a European final we won the league unbeaten but that's not how it works I was talking about this last week when, when the Celtic stopped us doing 10 in a row uh, in 98 we responded by winning two league titles and three cups in the next two seasons that's exactly also responded, also that's responded a, Alex, by spending an absolute fortune that's what Celtic have done to us and in comparative terms I think also they haven't spent the same money obviously that we spent back then uh, back in kind of 98, 99 we didn't get advocate and, and like that but you know in comparative terms being solid you know financially for, for, for the length of time they have been compared to ourselves and obviously having the same manager for two seasons in the trot I think definitely helps them in a massive way and generally head hunted for success correct but they they you know, they fall into the same trap as Rangers. Whereas, you know, when Advocate arrives and there was money to spend, he spent it right yep. at this minute in time. And Celtic, Celtic are in the exact same boat here. If anybody comes in with any kind of decent money 
And that means even championship clubs, these guys are gone. You cannot stave off, not just the players' ambition, but you cannot stave off clubs, even in the English Championship, because their spending power is is so much greater than what you're able to offer. If you took a, if you take away Champions League football or European football, then there is nothing that Rangers can offer that a Championship side. And, and another thing about Championship teams is even in England or anywhere in England, you only need to play teams twice. You don't get that that fed up right. looking at them four times a season. You're scratching your head going, I thought we played them a fortnight ago. So many players, so many players in the last forty odd years, I, I know, you know, throughout Scottish football, and that is one of the big things that that has counted against Scottish football. Why are we playing these teams four times? And I think um, with Celtic having had, you know, doing so well under Postacoglu, not taking anything away from them, but I think that's what's happened. The Rangers support is is just sitting there thinking, we're so close to them on the field when playing these games, cut out the mistakes. If they just get a wee taste of feeling the league as a grind, you know, when they're having to struggle through games and it's yeah. the same teams every week, we'll see how they like it. It doesn't always repeat like that, though. And, that, and, that, and that's the thing, the kind of poverty of historicism, whatever. I'll, I'll, just, I'll just put it out there. We'll get into the team selection uh, quickly, folks, uh, just, just in a second. But I just want to ask, Stuart, I'm maybe being a bit out there. If we go to the other extreme of this not being an acceptable run in any way, under we've got James Bisgrove in the background, um, being, you know, given, given kind of free reign almost by our, our new chairman, John Bennett. I can't help seeing it. It's, it's a different situation altogether. But I can't help seeing wee echoes of, you know, when Lawrence Marlborough and David Holmes, Lawrence Marlborough come in, and then they brought in David Holmes, he's his kind of executive officer, he's he's he's, he's kind of operative in chief. I remember at the time it was kind of 1985 and thinking, oh, aye, that's interesting. And then next thing, Jock Wallace was away, Graham Soonis come in. I'm sitting here saying it's going to take another 10 years probably before we're finally properly back. But is James Bisgrove and John Bennett, are they sitting there thinking, no, is there any way they're sitting thinking, if Beale doesn't win this tomorrow, we're going to get rid? It means I've got like three managers in 18 months. Oh, I. I only say that because other people are leaving. You know, if, if that's what it, if I think, I think it might be. Um, the approach might be if that's what it takes, then so be it. Mm. Rather than rather than rather than treading water. Now I thought Michael. I thought Michael Beale was a good shout for the Rangers job. Yeah. Um, it's taken me six months to actually have my you know have me scratch my head saying what exactly you're doing you get back to that point again about the the not having the players that's fine if he doesn't have the players but you should be able to come up with a setup or you should be able to come up with a system that allows you to play in a particular manner that makes it either makes you difficult to beat or means you can win games and then defend Aye. And I, I have not seen any of that, Alex. I have not seen anything that says that's the that's the that's the magic formula for Michael Beale to make Rangers a success. It's almost been like guesswork. He does have, or he did have, a great record from his start point and the matches that he won against everybody else other than Celtic. Unfortunately, that has now gone by losing to the, the likes of Aberdeen. Um, so you, you you've lost that one, but I, I I you know and I I I do wonder then if he has got really radical plans to, for a real shake up of this this side. I think the big disappointment would be for Rangers fans if it's been promised and it doesn't arrive, and you get the same guys next season making the same mistakes. I don't think I, I honestly don't think anybody would put up with Beal. Or give them any, you know, any sort of length in a new contract because I, I think people would be that cheesed off, and ultimately that starts to affect Rangers in terms of ticket sales and the likes. Nah, I mean, you're just talking about that comment in the comment section. They're saying it's about the the players that he's got to work with as well, that because the fans have been so on the back of the players. They've been so they've been on the back of Ross Wilson. He's gone. The back of Stuart Robertson. He's gone. Douglas Park was getting it. He's away as well. And I'm just wondering if it gets to that. It's like you say, if he gets the players in, I don't even know. 
I don't know. I don't think it will be tomorrow, obviously, but it'll be a really strange situation. I mean, it's not beyond. I mean, it's almost expected that Celtic don't lose tomorrow. That's the, that's what the form book would tell you. Yeah. But a Rangers manager doesn't he win his first five old firm games. We're getting into the realms of is he next? You know, is, if you think about, I think about Mark Warburton. I mean, he 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 did okay for a, a spell, and then he was suddenly, if you like dragged down by some of the signings that he made you know expectation the promise of these new guys making a difference and ultimately they didn't and all of a sudden you've got a team full of okay you were working with a previous manager's squad or a previous manager's players these guys are all your players now and you've still not made any difference and I think that's that is the the kind of tipping point in terms of any manager, if if you give a manager, you know, you know, you give any manager a budget and they go and spend the money and they don't spend it wisely, they're gone. Apart from that, is it Watford where you're going anyway, whether you get money or not? <laughs> but it's it, it, that's the kind of that's that I would say that is the tipping point, and and I and I do wonder how far into next season before that that tipping point comes. And it and it will be really it will be really quick and really decisive because the, you've got the whole thing about qualification for European competition and where you end up in that and the fact that Rangers need to be in Europe to be making money and you know doesn't need to be massive or massive a massive amount of money would help but that that being. Um, in European football, that'll be something that is budgeted. I don't believe all of us, or we haven't budgeted for it. Yes, you have, because you expect to be there. Mm-hmm. Aye. And just to segue from why Michael Beale could be under more pressure than we, than we think tomorrow, and to the practicalities of how he's actually going to go about uh, beating Celtic tomorrow, one of the things I think is, is mitigation for, for Michael Beale is the fact that so many of the squad will be leaving. Um, and he's got to try and get a tune out of guys who've been beaten down by what's happened in the, you know, before he arrived mm-hmm. and who might not have any future at Rangers. Um, he's saying today, the quote was, that there should be a lot of excitement and energy towards this fixture from my team when he was answering, when he was when he was asked about this point. And uh, so one of the key messages from today is talking how he pressed up was there's going to be personnel changes for tomorrow from previous old firm games. But Beal doesn't see any reason for that to be a hindrance. But if half the team won't be there next season, is there going to be enough commitment for tomorrow's game? I wonder about that. Whereas, you know, I, I don't want to sound this a, a, a history lesson of two old codgers basically saying it was great in our day, wasn't it? It certainly was. <laughs> but you used to have you used to have Rangers players came from, if you like, the local community and knew what a Celtic game meant to them. And Aye. nearly you had to scrape them off the pitch at times. Even if they didn't have a good season, You still they still knew what it was about. And I do wonder if there's too many players... Currently at Ibrox, and there have been for maybe a couple of years, where it's just like, well, we lose to our rivals. We're playing, you know, we're playing derby games with Accrington Stanley, or we're playing derby games again for Port Vale or whoever it is. It doesn't have the same effect to them, and and I, and I do, you know, I sometimes think there is not that element of fight or bite about about Rangers in some of these games. Um, Compared, uh, I'll say it, compared to Celtic, but then again, Celtic are playing for something they're trying to defend, which is the the the, the, the being the best team in Scotland. You know, Rangers might be the best team in Scotland if they, if they win tomorrow, but people will know, actually, you haven't really achieved anything. I always remember, I always remember Richard Goff. Rangers beat Leeds United at Ellen Road, beat them 2-1, uh, qualified for the... the the Champions League and Harry Harris, um, who I worked with at the, the, the Mirror, Harry said to Goffey, who he knew through the, the, the Spurs connection, fantastic result there. That's you champions of Britain. You know, you, you won't play many games as big as that. And Goffey said, we've got another one on Saturday. And he went, do you? He went, against Celtic. He went, but that was, that was for the, that was, for, that was a battle of Britain. He went, Think boxing, Harry. We win that title, Battle of Britain. We're holding the Lonsdale belt. If Celtic beat us on Saturday, they'll think <laughs> they've got the Lonsdale belt. And it's and, and that kind of thinking, 
I, I, I think that even that kind of thinking is lacking at, at Rangers currently. Yeah, first first team to beat Celtic after they won the European Cup. It was always going to be us, wasn't it? it was, that's just that's that's the way it works. And as you say, Stuart, I I, I don't know, and uh, that's that's epitomised by Senor Morelos. I, 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 he's definitely on his way out. You know, the manager was kind of dialing back on his his comments about Morelos uh, today. He was dialing back on what he said about him uh, post match after the Aberdeen game, which does seem to have been you know kind of psychology trying to get the best out of him. Uh, saying he'd, he'd uh, performed pretty poorly when he came on as a substitute with twenty five minutes to go against Aberdeen. I think with Tillman injured now, uh, we're definitely going to see Alfredo uh, tomorrow. I think he's going to start the game. What is his, there's a lot of talk about his legacy uh, this week, um, you know, kind of peak Alfie against peak other players. Is he going to give us a performance tomorrow? Is he a guy we can trust? Uh, no. Um, I, 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 I'll be honest here. I, I think, I think Morelos he's the kind of player you would never be able to trust for me anyway because you just don't know what kind of guy he's going to turn up and I know on, on, on social media and Twitter nights I I said something on 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 radio about Morelos and I had guys coming in Rangers fans coming in what do you mean that he's, a, he's a record scorer well if you play as many games as he has in Europe or you play as many games as Rangers did on certain European runs. I mean, there were times when Rangers played more games to qualify for a tournament Aye. than they had done some t- seasons where they actually were in the tournament. You know, you look at, you look at, um, you know, like say Derry Johnson. Derry Johnson, there was a season after Rangers won the, the Cup Winners' Cup where he didn't have any European football. Why? Because Rangers were banned. So he didn't have, he, he couldn't add to any kind of record or total that he had then. Also, the quality of the teams that Rangers were playing on a, on a you know, you can't you cannot say that Rangers were playing against le- some of the opposition that they've played in the last couple of years from teams like Gibraltar and you know Fredonia and any you know Atlantis and any other place they want to come from. I mean, be honest here. If you're going to start and okay, you do tally these goals up. But there's no a, a tariff or a coefficient that basically says, oh, these these you need to score four goals against Lincoln Red Imps or whoever it might be to make up for one against Galatasaray or whatever it is. So I've I've never quite bought that. His disciplinary record always meant he was like a dog that a dog that bit you once. Do you trust it again? No. When he when his head was when his head was um you know in the game, and he was switched on. You go back to the run that Rangers made to the, the uh, Europa League final. There were some of the games that Morelos played there where he was absolutely impeccable in terms of his behaviour and in terms of his holding up play, goals that he scored. He was a handful. Some Some really good defenders could not contain him or control him. Uh, and that's how good he was. But the next week he would come out against Motherwell and would he be able to kick his ass? Do you know what I mean? And it, it's that up, down, up, down that you just cannot legislate for. Would I, would I start him tomorrow? I don't think Michael Beale's in a position not to start him because he doesn't have anybody else. It's not as if he can, you know, call a, uh, somebody from the reserves, because if you see who the reserves are, you know, uh, who they're performing, there isn't anybody in there with a, a record of scoring, like, 50 goals in 25 games or anything like that. So that's a thing of the past as well. So he might, he might, he might be the default setting, simply because there is no other option. And I, and I have to say, I mean, I, I do love Alfie, but I love him in that way that, you know, as I've said before, you love a wee kind of spoiled toddler with the big uh, chubby cheeks uh, as well. You know, you, you could bring their neck when they're running about the, the house wrecking the place, but you also you love <laughs> the bits when they perform. And it's this idea that he's ever been all good or all bad, you know, as you say, when he was at his peak uh, scoring form, he was, he was as liable to get sent off then uh, yeah. as well and kind of sell the, sell the jerseys. In the last couple of months, 
I've been so as I, I sent to Craig a couple of weeks ago in, in the preview pod. I've actually been kind of institutionalised by him when I was I was like kind of praising him for not getting sent off at Parkhead because he did he got a perfectly good goal disallowed. And I was thinking that's how bad things I've got. I'm actually just looking up these days and thinking, oh, he's okay because it doesn't look like he's going to get sent off because he's not interested. But I did, <laughs> that's I, that's, the whole that's point. exactly. I was going to make that point. I did wonder whether it was just like you know that Alan Partridge gif. That everybody uses me goes like that, he goes, you know, <laughs> so what? <laughs> I did wonder if that was his mindset at that point in time. It's like, no use fighting, you know, why do myself, you know, why get sent off and get fined? Just accept it. He just soldier on. Aye. Well, um, we've got Robbie McCrory in goals tomorrow, and he's the last Rangers goalkeeper to keep a clean sheet against Celtic. Uh, we don't have Don Robertson as referee, and he was absolutely, I think he was quite lenient uh, at Hamden, let's get steamed in about him. Steve McLean at least isn't going to be as bad as our friend Mr Clancy. And of course, we've got, the, we've got the entire crowd tomorrow, but that's for the first time since uh, nearly 30 years ago. But the last time that happened... We drew it, and I've got Frankie telling me better wrap it up because, as usual, with uh, Mr. Stuart Weir, I could sit here and talk about Rangers <laughs> all night. Uh, and if he's getting a drink in, I want to get one in as well. Uh, we'll be carrying on this conversation <laughs> uh, offline, folks. But uh, just quickly, a, a score prediction, Stuart. I think it'll be a draw, one each. One each. Okay. Listen, sir, absolute pleasure. Really, uh, absolutely loved it. Folks, I will be. Um, Outside with uh, Mr Colin Armstrong tomorrow, outside Ayrbox after the game, uh, a bit of post-match, uh, immediate post-match reaction, and hopefully it's nice and cheery. And <laughs> whatever 42 happens, minutes. <laughs> for 42 minutes. I will cut that one down just to the two hours. Um, <laughs> and we'll have uh, Colin, Ross and John uh, will be back at 9.30 for the flagship show on Sunday night to give it a, a proper review. Um, thanks very much, Stuart. Absolute pleasure, mate. Uh, thanks to Frankie uh, for producing the whole show. And thanks to you folks. Thanks very much for, for joining us tonight. Good night.